It's totally okay. So thank you everyone for coming to Advanced Literate. Uh, my name is Taylor Vogt. I am joined by Ashton McCauley. He is the author of Whiteout. Uh, he's here to talk to us about his book, but more importantly, he's here to talk about himself because the writing community thrives on the individual personality that we can all rally behind. So thank you for joining us today, Ashton. It's really nice to have you here. Sorry, uh, there is a fire truck passing me uh, right now. <laughs> of course, right, right as you are going to be. And it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. You know, I actually let them know ahead of time that we were doing this recording. Yes, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> see, they literally passed right by my window. They knew. Yeah, they had the heads up. Okay, cool. So um, my first question is, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Hey, so uh, I'm Ashton. By day, uh, I'm, a, I'm a data scientist in the gaming industry. And uh, by early morning and by night, I am a writer. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I, don't, I, love, I love, my, uh, love my day job working in games. It's uh, kind, of, kind of awesome. And it's been a dream for me. And the fact that I get to do this little piece as well is... It's just been, it, it's been, a, it's been a dream. So, um, did you go to school for video game design? Or video <laughs> no, I, uh, I weirdly went to school. I got my master's in experimental social psychology, and uh, you know, it was I was about like a year through that degree when I realized that uh, I wasn't going to be able to do much with it. Uh, so I started to <laughs> focus more on the statistics side of it, and then I said, you know what? Uh, screw it, I'm studying human behavior and uh, I love games. I think there's a way that I can tie these two together. And so I inadvertently ended up becoming a data scientist. Uh, kind of like before there was a degree for that, I, I just ended up kind of carving that path off myself. And uh, yeah, I've been working, like I, I worked on Minecraft for three years. Uh, I worked at Xbox for about, you know, six months. And then uh, now, now I'm working more generally on all games at Microsoft. I really think that's important because um, a lot of a lot of aspiring writers don't necessarily go to school for an MFA in creative writing, and um, it's really important to have stories of, of writers in other writers who have found their way to publishing, even though they are interested in other fields. And personally, I believe that. Uh, the more diversity in backgrounds that we can get in the writing community, the stronger the writing community will become. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in a lot of ways, uh, writing is what saved me during graduate school uh, and kept me sane. And then like, interestingly enough, you know, I actually, I ended up finding my way into publishing uh, because I was unemployed. And uh, I started hitting the Craigslist ads randomly where people <laughs> were like, hey, uh, I'll buy your story for 25 bucks. And I was like, well, that's enough for a few meals. Right. And uh, one of those ended up being the publisher that I am working with now. So, <laughs> and that is Aberrant, right? Yeah, Aberrant Literature. He he had an ad on Craigslist, and he is the first person to publish one of my short stories. That oh, that's was, uh, gosh, uh, four years ago now, probably something about that, something like that. That's awesome. You know, you, you know the the traditional path is you write a query letter, you send it to some agents, you break the bank going to a conference so you could try and meet them in person. And then half the time it doesn't work out, but you got lucky enough just finding someone on a Craigslist ad. And uh, <laughs> I think that's a really cool story. All right, so my second question is, uh, are you a full-time writer or is this a hobby? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to think about it this way. So I think 
in a way, it's both. Uh, I, I do consider it like my second full-time job uh, because most days what ends up happening is I wake up at you know, 5.45, I write from about 6 to 7.30, and then I go to my day job. And then when I come home at night, I like, you know, if I, if I have the energy and motivation, I'll read over what I wrote in the morning and kind of go through and edit it. But, you know, I'm putting in, I'm putting in the hours a lot of times before work and late nights. So in, in a way it is a second job, but it is, it isn't the one that pays the bills. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the case for like 99% of the writing community. Yeah. I mean, unless you, unless you're Stephen King, like you're going to have, you're, you're going to have a rough time. Like this is not, this is not a field to get into if you're here to make money. Yeah. A lot but, of people that, the, like I, I heard this really funny sort of phrase once that like everyone and their grandmother has a manuscript and um, the fact that it's so oversaturated, I think a lot of people have these weird expectations where they're like in college, for instance, and they have a professor in the English department who has seven credits under their belt and they're 35 years old and they've, you you know, been published by one of the big five. And so then they go, oh, cool, I could do the same thing. When really that professor was more like a unicorn in the field. And uh, I think people have these weird expectations that they can do writing. Let me give you an example. So uh, I'm on Facebook, right? And I'm in one of the writing groups that I subscribe to. And someone posted, should I uh, quit my part-time job uh, and with the money I've saved up, spend the next four months writing every day and then hopefully get published. And I was like, no, it's not a good idea. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible idea. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> so what, I, what I did tell him was very much similar to what you said, was like, uh, do your part-time job, come home, write, have dinner, write some more, go to sleep, Wake up tomorrow, go to your job, rinse, repeat until you have a full manuscript. Just don't do anything else. And uh, I think he he stayed with his job. I was able to convince him not to uh, throw away his income. So uh, hopefully that worked out for him. Um, so my third question is, how long have you been writing? Yeah, so I've been writing, uh, you know, it's funny. The first time I remember ever like sitting down to pen a story was I had a teacher in uh, third grade told me because I, I love to I used to love to draw and she said you know what for every picture you draw you have to at least write a paragraph uh, and then I started figuring out that I like writing the words more than I like drawing the pictures so that kind of kicked it off but what really uh, I guess disciplined me enough to write a manuscript was in high school and another teacher who at the beginning of fall quarter said hey if you uh, try this challenge have you heard of NaNoWriMo oh yeah absolutely yeah. So she was like, if you can write a uh, 50,000 word novel in the 27 days left in November, I will let you skip all the rest of your assignments for the rest of the semester. <laughs> so I, I I piled out this like hot pile of crap manuscript and like in 23 days, I just brought it in and dropped it on her desk. And I said, here you go. I will not do the rest of my assignments. That and, is, uh, that's 3000 words a day. Yeah, so my record is actually, uh, I wanna say I did it in 13. Uh, and that was, I wrote a 65,000 word manuscript in 13 days and I'm not looking forward to having to go back to edit it, <laughs> but I've done it every year for, for 10 years. And, um, three, three of those manuscripts actually ended up becoming what is this book series that I've been talking about today. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, my fourth question is, 
What are your inspirations as an author? So the big one, uh, my my favorite author growing up and, and still is Douglas Adams, uh, to the point where I've got Don't Panic tattooed on my wrist. Oh, very uh, cool. <laughs> but uh, I love Douglas Adams. I love his humorous take on uh, serious subject matter. And like, he's just, he's always engaging to me. And I've read The Hitchhiker's Guide probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 times. And it just makes me laugh every time. And then, you know, recently I've been getting more into Christopher Moore who wrote books like A Dirty Job and Lamb. And, you know, when you can have a book jacket that says something like, uh, you know, let, let's get into the part of Jesus's life where he learned Kung Fu. And, you know, that's <laughs> like, he, he is hilarious. And like, his, his wit is so sharp. And those books just, they don't let up. And they're, they're almost like perfect all the way through. So those, like, you know, those are definitely my big writing inspirations. Besides um, actual authors and published books, do you have any other inspirations for your writing and, and why you write and and uh, what's really gotten you to this point? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of my work, so, so an interesting thing is I, 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 uh, I've struggled with, you know, a, a couple of you know, anxiety disorders for a long time. And what really got me going was I would take these subjects that scared me or triggered anxiety or anything like that, and then I would poke fun at them. And that really got me into this genre of like dark humor. I'd say that, you know, why not? It's more of like an action adventure, but it does have that element where not only am I like poking fun at death, but I, you know, I'm taking these these situations that would be pretty scary for me and I, I'm putting them in a light where I could, I could laugh at them because that personally ends up helping me. Yeah, writing, yeah. Is, writing is so therapeutic. It's, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, it's no exaggeration to say that that's, that is what has kept me sane. Like if I, if I couldn't write every day, um, I, just, I don't know what I'd do. Like it's 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 my best outlet I have. Yeah, I struggle with mental health issues, mental health issues too, and uh, writing has been the key factor in maintaining my self care. Because like I find that it's so easy to get lost in the noise of all of the anxiety and the depression and the sometimes mania. But when you sit down and write, you're able to hyper focus on, you know, the writing at hand and really dig in and all of the other stuff just sort of fades away. Like, do you do you feel very similar? Yeah. And, you know, I think that the hard thing for me oftentimes is actually like when I'm in when I'm in a state like that, where it's like I am feeling very anxious or like I'm on the verge of a panic attack or something like that, it's hard to sit down at the computer and just say, you know what, I'm gonna start typing words. Right. And I think that that's actually where NaNoWriMo helped me because it helped me embrace this idea of word vomit. <laughs> and so now when I'm feeling that way, it's like, no, no matter what I'm feeling, I'm just like, well, I, can I swear on this by the way? I, oh yeah, absolutely, go for it. Okay, I, you know, so I'll just say fuck it and I'll get, it, I'll get a timer and I'll say, you know what, you're gonna write for 15 minutes. And usually by the end of that 15 minutes, like I, I just put words to a page. A lot of times it sounds like garbage, but by the end of it, I'm still, I don't want to keep going. And, you know, once I've gotten over that initial hump of like, I just don't want to do this right now. Like I can get into that flow and it really helps. Awesome. Okay. Um, I have, uh, what other media inspires your work besides um, novels? Yeah. So this one. Uh, this, this is one of my favorite questions on your list, actually. Is a uh, 80s and 90s action cinema. Oh, like, very cool. Number one. And uh, my favorite movie of all time is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I'd say, like, you know, my, my main character is actually like a mix of 
Indiana Jones and then Constantine from the Hellblazer comics. Yeah. Yeah, like, so it, it, something about, like, Harrison Ford's, like, smart-alecky, uh, just, like, big action hero character in those, those movies, like, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, like, I love going back and watching those and seeing the, like, the practical effects and the yeah. big sets. And that's why they hold up. And, it, like, it inspired wonder in me as a kid, and it still does now. So, you know, like, obviously, you know, Star Wars fits in there as well. Uh, Jurassic Park. Like, all these, all these sort of, like, big, Overblown stories that are fun, and it doesn't take a lot to understand them, right? Like it's easy to hop in and listen, and you could just sort of lose yourself. And I think that there's like the simplicity of those stories makes them everlasting. And if I can write anything that's ever even like close to those films, you know, that's my goal. That's what I want. I want my book to read like you're watching uh, one of those action movies and just be light and fun. Very cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm a huge fan of these. Like, I, I feel like. Nowadays, um, like with CGI and like all of this technology that we have, the big budgets are justified almost all across the board. They're going to have these great eff- uh, effects. Back in the 80s, like you were just starting to get this sort of technology and the budgets were huge, like for Star Wars, for instance, and it changed everything. No one was expecting it. And like, I can totally understand where you're coming from with Jurassic Park and with Indiana Jones it's these overblown movies that sort of solidified in our minds at a young age that like we can we can imagine greater than what we had been before yeah I think that you know and those are all like they're they're watershed moments for the movies industry like when Jurassic Park came out not only like it just it just changed the way that people thought about what could be done and like the level that you could get lost in a film because like, again, yeah, I'll go back and watch Jurassic Park, and I'm like, that's a fucking dinosaur on screen. I know, <laughs> I know, I know they built it out of like it was this big mechanical thing, but like it, it still blows my mind to this day that somebody had that vision and was able to execute it like that. And it's it, what they did spawned an entire generation of of thinkers who went beyond, who had these grand ideas, and I'm sure that that's what's informed your writing process. Yeah, like I, I can, like I said, I can only hope to, to measure up to like a quarter of what they are. I yeah. just oh, love those films. So uh, do you have any other hobbies other than writing? Yeah, I'm, I'm an avid gamer. Like I said before, that's what kind of led me into my day job as it as it is. And, you know, I've, I've incorporated writing into that a little bit. Like I write for a, a small time video game magazine doing uh, reviews and oh, cool. opinion pieces and like, I love doing that when I have the time. I don't have less time to do it now than I used to. Um, and then I also, I've been playing music for 16 years. And it, that's, you know, I try to play guitar every day. I don't, I'm not as consistent as I am with my writing, but, and I'm not as good as I am with my writing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also, that's also a cathartic thing too. Hey, um, what is your writing process like? Like, take it, take us through it from beginning to end. Uh, it starts with, word vomit like it always it always starts with word vomit and i think um you know so this the the first book i ever have published right it started as a nanorimo project and i think that the essence of nanorimo is just embracing putting words on a page to hit that count and you know learning that no matter how good your first draft is you're gonna have edits um, i'm sure that like even somebody like neil gaiman has edits uh on his first draft and absolutely you know, I didn't know that until I got absolutely just shredded by an editor I met one time. Like I had, I sent a story to an editor and he shredded it. And I was like going through it and I was like hurting inside and I was like, that sucks. And then at the end he's like, 
you know, look, this is a lot of criticism, but I'm only doing it because it has potential. Like I'm willing to shred this because I think that you can make it better. And so that sort of, you know, put a light bulb in my head. It's like, even when I think I'm hot shit, I'm probably not. It's so why, why does it matter? It's like, just put it on the page. It's just like, I'm sure that you're familiar with like the alpha and beta testing periods of video games. Yep. Like your your initial product isn't going to be ready for the user or the reader to see. So like, um, it's good to have like that alpha and beta editing for uh, any novel. And I, I have a question about the, the novel that you were talking about for NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Um, did you actually edit it before you sent it to the editor? Um, so that's that's not what got shredded actually. Like so, I had gone through. This is another short. This is the the, the first short story I ever had published. I had gone through and like uh, I'd done what I thought was editing at the time, which was I read through it a couple of times. I said, you know what? Yeah, this is the one. This is the one that's going <laughs> to publish. This is the I, you know I, I'm I'm the best writer in the world. And, uh, you know, I had this, there's a website called Critique Circle and I sent it in and I just happened to get somebody who was an editor of the magazine to give me feedback. And, um, you know, it was short, like 40 page story. And yeah, he, he just, he basically showed me, he's like, no, you don't know what editing is. Like you've got a lot of word echoes. You've got a lot of things to fix, but you yeah. know, you're a good storyteller. So that's, yeah, that's where that went. And then with the, interestingly, with the with the novel when i sent it to jason the the way that we the way that we work through this is basically i will word vomit out a first draft and then i'll go back through and often do a full rewrite so i'll have my first draft up in one window and then a blank page up in the other and then i will just rewrite it as i'm reading what i wrote the first time and it's a lot slower in that second process but at least i know where the story's going to go and then once I have that second draft done, I'll read through it again, do some tweaking, send it to Jason, and he'll send it back with, you know, his edits. Like, you know, we, we're working on the, the sequel to this book right now. And like a good example is he, he sent it back to me. And he's like, look, uh, you know, this is all great, but chapter three is really boring. Like you need to go do a rewrite on chapter three. So I'll go back, edit it, send it to him. Then we go through a professional editor. <laughs> uh, they send it back with their edits. We read through it again. It goes out to beta readers, they edit it, it comes back to us, we finally get a proof of the book, we go through that and edit it, so do beta readers, and then eventually it comes out. So the whole editing process, uh, like for Whiteout took, I would say probably a year to a year and a half. Wow. It's grueling. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's no joke. But I don't think that, that that's very uncommon. I think that that's, oh. that's pretty much the industry standard. Like unless you've been workshopping the same story for a decade, um, you're not going to have it in a position where you can turn it around with an editor in three or four months. It's going to take a year. Um, I just wanted to um, just say that Jason, uh, who Ashton brought up, is the head of Aberrant, um, just so anyone who's listening understands. Um, would you really quick just tell us a, a snippet about Aberrant? Yeah. So... Aberrant Literature is uh, it's an indie publishing house run by Jason, and he's looking to find stories that you know otherwise wouldn't get published or that you know are kind of a little bit off the wall, and that's the space that we operate in. And um, I don't know, like we all kind of work as a family, so basically we take in people who are willing to put in the work because it's only the only way that it succeeds is if you know the authors and the editors are all willing to promote, put in the effort. There's no like. You can't just, you can't send in a manuscript, 
Right. You know, we're looking for people to basically Act- just join the crew. Active and, participation. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have to ask, what are your goals as an author? I want to write books that uh, that I'd be interested in reading and uh, that can appeal to a broad audience in that, like, I don't use a lot of flowery language. I don't get bogged down in description. Like, you know, as much as a lot of people will harp on Dan Brown for kind of writing the same story over and over again or being very simplistic, <laughs> like, he makes you turn the damn page. Like, he's really good at making you turn the page. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, I want something that's light, fun, that can give people an escape. And I just want to make these big adventures, right? Like the movies that I was talking about, where you can read it and it takes you someplace that you're not expecting that's different from where we are now. Is like, fuck, we need an escape from where we are now right. from time to time. It's exactly. not like, it's not always great out there. And I think that this is, you know, it's it's just, I, I want to write things that are fun. And if, if I ever stop having fun with what I'm writing or um, like, if I don't like reading my own writing, then I'm mucking to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I do this because it's fun for me. So that's that's my goal is keep writing. And, uh, you know, my superficial goal is to fill a shelf somewhere in my house full of my own works because, you know, narcissistic. <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, no, if, if it's not fun, I won't do it. So cool. So your, your goal is to keep having fun. Yep. All right, cool. So uh, can you tell me about Whiteout? Like, it doesn't have to be a total spoiler of the whole story, but just like, let's chat about it. Tell me, tell me what it's about. Yeah. So Whiteout is this is this is a, one of my NaNoWriMo books that I wrote while I was in graduate school, and uh, it's it's about this drunken monster hunter. His name is Nick Bentner, and he's kind of an asshole. Uh, he's very much so inspired by you know Han Solo, Indiana Jones, Hellblazer, all those people. But it tells the story of him. Uh, basically taking a contract to go after uh, a Yeti in the Himalayas. And at first he's pretty reluctant because basically he wants to take the easiest jobs he can so he can get paid and, you know, fill his cup. He's not really into the whole uh, save the people, you know, charity work, any of that. He doesn't do it. Uh, so when he gets this, this you know, ticket to go after a Yeti, he's not, he's not really into it at first and he ends up getting tricked into it in a way by his sidekick who's got more of a moral compass. And... Um, a little bit out of pride as well because he runs into basically his 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 arch enemy on the mountain who's another famous monster hunter way more reputable not so much of a, a drunk just like if you think about it he'd be you know as stephen king is to writing this guy is the monster hunting he's well known and they have a sort of en- enmity where you know nick might be good at his job but he's definitely not he's not like the main attraction monster hunting he's the guy who's at the very back of the yellow pages so would you say that the van helsing saga with dracula inspired or informed your take on monster hunting uh you know definitely to a degree uh there are some there are some nods to van helsing in there like i definitely have a couple of scenes with a crossbow uh and you know some of my shorter stories that involve the same character i've definitely put him up against vampires and done my own take on that very cool um but yeah so i'd say a little bit that and oh man i'm losing on the tip of my tongue like the other there's another big influence, but sort of like I, I love those uh, those freak of the week shows kind of thing, uh, where where like each episode it's like this different beast that somebody's going after. Uh, Constantine's a great example, you know, especially because it, it's more demons with him. But I think that the universe in Whiteout delves into both. So he's dealing with 
supernatural entities as well as you know big hulking monsters when you say freak of the week <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was scooby-doo yeah <laughs> oh i fucking i love scooby-doo like <laughs> i love i still love scooby-doo that stuff holds up man yeah it really does um yeah can like so is this like your main story or is this something that you just were working on while you were tending to your main stuff. Um, like, like, where does this fit in the universe of Ashton McCauley? So, uh, you know, because I, because I've got a bit of an ego, uh, I, I, I connect everything I write. Uh, so, like, you know, I was inspired by Stephen King in that sense, where all of his books kind of exist in the same space to some degree. So this, yeah, this was like the seventh book I had written, uh, I think, for NaNoWriMo. And uh, it was the first one that really where I was like, you know what, I like this character, I, I want to do more with it. And it's the only the only thing I've ever written where I've been uh, compelled to do a sequel. And I wrote, I've written three books, and I'm in the process of editing the other two because they need they need a lot of edits. Um, but he's like, he's my he's my main dude. I, I love writing this character more than more than I like writing anybody else. Like slipping into Nick's skin is so easy and like I could just feel the sarcastic quips coming and I know what he's gonna do in any situation. So a lot of times when I'm writing new stories for him and I have I have a lot of them, uh, you know, I feel like I'm going on the adventure with him. I don't do a whole lot of outlining. I do a little bit of loose outlining, but in those individual situations where he's talking to people, I just sort of feel it out. And I'm like, I don't know, what would he say? And like all the dialogues written on the fly, there's no real beats for it written out. I just kind of try to understand how he would operate. You know, uh, a writing professor that I had once explained that as, so, you know, like the singularity, like when when AI is supposed to become more intelligent than humans, she, she called the point where a character in your story becomes just as real as the people in your life, as the singularity of fiction. Yeah. which was really cool and i think that's sort of what you're what you're describing in that this character of yours has literally come to life on the page and has that sort of living breathing you know side to him yeah definitely and you know uh, i've been working i've been working like on nick bentner stories and books for yeah i think over the past five, six years, I can't remember a time when I wasn't working on a Nick Vendor, and I'm not. I'm not tired of it. Uh, like, for sure, for sure, there's going to be a trilogy of books. Like, I have, I have those planned out, and then we have a couple of novellas in between that are really fun, but kind of focus more on side characters, and then bring him in as like an ancillary person. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to keep writing him after those three. But man, I'm, I'm having such a good time with it and it, it kind of sucks to think about a time when I'm like you know I might be I might be out of stories for him but as of now that's not really in sight <laughs> cool I'm glad all right final question what have you learned as an author that you can share to help other writers uh, no matter what uh, don't stop writing that's that's the key because I see a lot of people like I see a lot of people get caught up in this idea that like oh like I just can't find the time and that's a lie like every, everybody has time uh to write you just fill it with other things and if you want to be a writer you need to sit down and make sure you write even if it's only 15 minutes a day like 
in 15 minutes you can accomplish a lot and if it feels like you're writing shit keep writing like shovel it onto the page that's how you get better and then you know in addition to that like be ready to take criticism be, be ready to kill your darlings as some people say like I, I will never forget this and Jason may be mad that I brought it up but there was a there was a Yeti beach scene in Whiteout where uh, Nick was hallucinating and he, he saw a Yeti on, on a beach serving him cocktails and it got cut <laughs> but uh, you know and it got cut and it hurts and I'm trying to work it into the second book because I want it back uh, but <laughs> sounds like a really good one shot <laughs> yeah like well, one way or another that beach scene will see the light of day if I have to throw it on Wattpad I will um, <laughs> and okay and you know the other thing is like don't expect to make money. Like, don't come into writing thinking like I'm gonna make millions of dollars because I'm gonna write the next Harry Potter or something like that. Because honestly, you're not. You know, re- realistically, the odds are against you, and it's it's not good odds that you're gonna make any money in this industry. So if you're not having fun doing it, you're not doing it. If you love it, don't do it. Um, that's yeah. really it's sound advice. <laughs> it's sad, but I mean, you know, that's the beauty of writing is you're doing it for yourself. Um, no. I didn't really, say, like, what's the point? What's what's the point if you're not doing it for you? Then it's just another job, and that's not fun. Nobody wants I, to re- you working. I didn't. I didn't say sad. I said sound. Oh, sound. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good advice. Cool. So, thank you, Ashton. Everyone, uh, go to Aberrant. What's the website, Aberrant, so that they can see oh, your man. work? Oh man, that's a good. That's a good question. I, I should know this. Uh, <laughs> quickly, quickly pull it up. I want to give you yeah. a plug so that people can come find your stuff yeah um okay yeah it is it's just a aberrantliterature.com that's a-b-e-r-r-a-n-t literature.com cool and they can find stuff of yours there yeah i think like i'm looking at it now and, and whiteout is right there on the cover of the page and then if you want like uh gosh I, I don't know i write a lot of short stories and put them online so if you want to find me i'm just i'm real mac ashton on twitter and uh, I will, will throw everything I write out there and I promise not to uh, bomb your feet with a bunch of hashtag writing community, <laughs> dumbass questions and uh, BS. Like I, I will put it there if I'm writing and occasionally I'll write about eating an entire DiGiorno pizza because it's snowed too much outside. Right, cool. So thank you, Ashton. I really appreciate this. This was a really great experience and, I'm, and I really, I hope the best for you and that you see real success with Whiteout. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, We're going to have another upload later this week. So stay tuned for that.